Well, hello everyone. This is Matt Redman here. I'm here with Jeremy Riddle, and it's the first episode of the Redman and Riddle podcast. It's an exciting day, isn't it? It's very exciting. Come yeah. on. <laughs> well, we've we've been having a lot of conversations around worship for a while. So many. But this is the first time we're recording one, yeah. so we've got to be a little bit more careful this time. That's very true. Yeah, but I've really been looking forward to this. It's something I know it's been burning in my heart and yours too. Yeah. Just the chance to talk a little bit more widely about some of these themes in worship. And I guess the whole thread running through this podcast more than anything else is we, we want to pursue pure worship. That's right. We want to have purity in the lives we lead and the way we lead musically. That's right. So on stage, off stage, I guess we want to run everything through the filter again of what what's this meant to look like in the kingdom of yeah, God. We know what right. it looks like in England. We know yeah. what it looks like in America. <laughs> we know what it looks like in this stream of the church, that yes. stream of the church. What does it look like in the kingdom of God? What's it really meant to look like? So, so I think we're going to have a good time. We're really grateful that you've joined us for the journey. If you join us each time, we're going to go into a different theme. Uh, this versus that format. So today, in a little while, we're going to jump into encounter versus entertainment. Other times we'll be looking at such things as, as comfort versus confrontation, mm. holiness versus helpfulness, lots of different things. But like I say, the, the thread running through all of them is just this thing of we want to lead worship in a God-honoring way. Yeah, come on. And I think, too, just it's helpful for people to understand that this isn't wasn't just like a fun idea of like, oh, we should just get together and, you know, we're just vibing. <laughs> We've got nothing you know. else to do. Yeah, we, you know, let, let's just let's do a podcast. I think we both felt something from the Lord, like we're not in a normal moment, you know, right now. And things that are happening in worship, and, and we've just been leaning into, Lord, what are you speaking? You know, what, what, what are you saying? And we want to be leaning in, and we want to be leading well, and we want to be stepping into our authority knowing that there's a whole generation coming up with that question of what is, it, what is the heart of worship? What does it look like to step into the fullness of my calling, the calling that I feel that God has on my heart? And we just thought, man, there's some very important conversations the church needs to start having in this moment of, of history that we're in. Yeah, and it's not going to be a takedown. No. We're not going to be like, we hate this thing, <laughs> and if you don't hate it, then you're, then, we hate you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be That's like so that. so good. It's it, very good. Jeremy wrote a book recently called The Reset, yeah. and, it, and it follows a lot of these themes. And one thing I love is in there, this book's not a takedown, it's a manifesto. I'm That's not right. trying to, this thing's terrible, that thing's terrible. That's I'm just right. trying to say, I wonder what it could look like. That's I right. wonder if it could look more like this. That's right. And I love that approach. Come on. So... That's where we're going. I'll t maybe we'll tell you a little bit about our own stories first. So I'm Matt. I have a wife called Beth. I have five children. They're called Maisie, Noah, Rocco, Jackson and Levi. And I'm from a little town, a little village really in England called Chorleywood. Chorleywood, it's a lovely little place just outside of London. I was privileged to grow up in a church there, which was just a beautiful place for a young person to grow up. So I mean, the moment I got encouraged into worship leading, I got mentored, I got affirmed, I got stretched, challenged, I got put in situations that I thought I was way out of my depth. But it was actually beautiful. You're like 15 years old, you get right. put in these situations. If it goes well, you get told well done. If it goes badly, the person who put you in the situation gets told off because they shouldn't be putting a 15-year-old in that uh, situation. So I mean, I made some horrendous mistakes through the years, but I loved growing up there. and I loved, I look back now, I look at something of the purity of that moment. Oh. There wasn't any record 
label industry stuff. Right. There wasn't, oh, our church is doing a record and I wonder if I can get one of my songs on it. Right. There, there wasn't, there were so many things we have to contend with now that weren't really even a thing. Like you couldn't even get, you weren't paid to be a worship leader. <laughs> if in my stream of the church, when I started out, if you were paid for being a worship leader, you were probably an organist. That was probably <laughs> what you did. And as an aside, we actually bought this incredible, I don't know, it was hugely expensive electronic organ. So it looked wow. like an organ, but instead of pipes, it had like 84 speakers, <laughs> which were obviously hidden because that would freak everyone out. I don't think that would have gone well in America. No, yeah, know. so we had this thing. But the best thing, it, it had this MIDI input. Oh. So you could actually play it with your guitar. Oh. So you could plug your guitar into the organ. That's next level. I don't advise it on any level, <laughs> but it was a possibility. <laughs> But so the, I, that's how I grew up, and yeah. I look back on those times. Something about the simplicity, hmm. something about I don't know. It feels like a purity. Maybe it's just yeah. nostalgia. I don't know. Wow. But I think it was like a little bit more like there's less world in wow. the wor- in our worship. There. Wow. There was now we have to contend with so much. The times we're living in is so different. We didn't have social media back then. No. We're living in such different times, and and it's a whole different story. Probably really similar thing for you. <laughs> very, very much so. I also have five kids, Rebecca, Levi, Faith, Claire, and Joseph. Been married since I was 21 years old, was a dad at 23. So we, we got a head start really <laughs> in the game. It forced me to grow up incredibly quickly. And gosh, there's so many different journeys that the Lord's taken me on when it comes to worship my initial baptism. I actually grew up in the First Baptist Church. It was a very conservative part of the church in the United States. And speaking of organs, that was my experience of worship initially. It was like, turn to page 365 and everybody sings. There's an organ and there's a choir and robes and all that good stuff. That was my first experience of, of corporate worship. And then it wasn't until I was 12 years old, my parents did a little stint with YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission, just kind of a missional parachurch organization. And that was the very first time I saw, like, quote-unquote, contemporary worship yeah. and guitars and drums. And it's like one of those things, though, when you witness something and something goes off in your spirit. And you're, yeah, I was so young, but I remember it resonated inside of me. And I had this—my dad had, was a worship leader as well. And, but that thing where I'm like, I— uh, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to be a part of this somehow, you know. And I remember feeling that. I remember grabbing my my guitar as a 12 year old, and my mom actually was the one who taught me three chords and the truth. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, and it was really that simple. It was like three chords, and I could play 90 percent of the the catalog of worship at the time. <laughs> but coming through that, coming through the journey of the church, having a falling out with the church pursuing rock and roll in my late teens, early 20s, and really trying to make it how, how rock and roll did it, I mean, get, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's pretty it, Christian it, rock and roll. Oh, so it's yeah, it's pretty like, sappy, like, love yeah. songs. <laughs> Not, none of this, like, hardcore stuff. But my heart, I just, I, I was, it became this all-consuming thing. And the Lord had to bring me back to a place of wholehearted surrender to Him. Yeah. And ironically, it was, it was then that all that ambition was kind of dealt with in my heart, or so I thought. And when I came back to it, the Lord asked me to come and serve the church. I, I took on my first ministry call, which was for junior high. I became a junior high pastor. And I actually laid down music, you know, for, for a while just yeah. to pursue what it meant to, to really lead the church like that. And then, I, you know, it's, it's so the Lord when you look back on the journey because it was out of that experience that a song I'd written, literally my first record that I made was all inspired by you know, preaches that I was doing for the junior high kids. Yeah. And that became my first record. And then one of the songs became a hit 
on Christian radio, which was so out of left field for me. Nothing we were pursuing or trying to be intentional about. Really. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and that was like thrust me into this weird, crazy world of Christian music and CCM and whatever that realm is. And that was quite a learning experience, too. Just about a completely different stream of the church. There's so much we could talk about in that journey. And then ultimately up to Bethel Church, which was kind of the next decade of my life and learning how to lead in a totally different way, in a totally different environment. So much growth there and ultimately back to this church which really formed me in my first ministry assignment where I'm, I'm yet again kind of in the throes of helping birth a worship culture that was once vibrant and the Lord is doing a restoring work on the house. And so what a journey. It's, it's, it's been wild, but I still look forward to just unpacking some of that. And interestingly, you and I, we've both, I mean, we have a few crossover point, points in that story. <laughs> yes, for, me, for me, the first one is, so I was seven years old. I lost my dad. He actually took his own life. Wow, man. So that was in the May of, of, of that year. And then in June, a team from the Anaheim Vineyard in California wow. came to the UK for the first time. And they actually came to my church. I was in the Anglican church. So it's quite an unusual thing. That's you know, we, we were like full on Church of England Anglican thing and up rocked this group of Californians. <laughs> uh, and the thing that hit me was this worship music. Wow. I hadn't seen anything like that. And Oh. Of course, I couldn't have put words around it right, right then, but it right. was like the, I would say now what I saw was the people of God in the presence of God wow. pouring out the praise of God. Oh. I'd seen people sing about God. I'd seen people even sing to God, but I haven't seen this expectancy to encounter God, to actually meet with wow. him. And obviously, it's a, you know, it's a life-changing moment. I can see it in my mind right, right. now, all these years later. Right. I can see that room and the, I can see what's happening, the dynamic that's happening in that room. So that's kind of cool because that was the church that you've talked about a couple of times there has been part of your journey. So we have a little intersection there. And wow. then I used to run these songwriting and theology workshops with that's a friend right. called Don Williams, a very <laughs> learned friend. I was like a little sidekick strumming along. and He did all the heavy lifting, all, yeah, the, yes. all the proper theology and yes, stuff. Yes, that's right. And so we had a little moment there where I, oh, I think I was... such a good story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know all the details, but basically I... We'd always get someone up and we'd try and pull apart their song or make some suggestions. Yeah, you were doing these breakout sessions yeah. in the afternoon where you would listen to about seven or eight worship leader songs. And ironically, not ironically, I think it's obviously the Lord, but that, that hit single, quote unquote, that took off on Christian radio. Well, that was like the first song that I'd ever had anyone dissect. And so my first real relational experience <laughs> with Matt Redman is... It was is, like a butcher <laughs> yeah, yeah, cutting up this song yeah. like... No, but I, I just I have to not. share it. It no, was a great. You'd actually, and, and your, your critique. But I remember, you know, being such a young, green, immature writer and thinking like, I think this song has something on it. I think it's, it's I, I feel like it's good to go. And honestly, all I anticipated receiving was like, mate, that's amazing. And, <laughs> and, you know, take it, package it up, send it out to the nations. And instead, just remember, you didn't blink an eye and you just started going like, hey, this is, this is really great. And then you just dove right in and, and you did your butchering and so I have and, no, uh, I have no memory of that. I'm not going to admit to any of that. I, I, I would imagine I was very encouraging. And it, it, it was. Was I, Did I? Did I cut it up with no, kindness? Though? It, it, you know, like, was you, there... you, you, you did it in a very British way, which okay. is always, you know, you never really. We know. ask questions like, <laughs> yes, it's, so, it's uh, like what this you, song's really so terrible, you, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, yeah, you just kind of help us bring us so into agreement. So, do you think there might be a better line? <laughs> Then, uh, you know, he died for me on the tree when he was 33. I don't know that, like, is that going too far? Uh, it's so no, good. So, so we've had a few little moments. And uh, then interestingly, 
we've both been part of different movements. We've both been part of local church. Yes. We've led in living rooms. We led That's in right. stadiums. That's right. We've led in highly organic kind of situations yes. and the highly organized situations. So I love it that we've had a lot of common life, That's and right. I think a lot of that will come out me too. as we talk. I think for me why this is important is because we don't get to make this stuff up. Hmm. Like, we're not just these wanderers on a journey. I love we, that, it's so highly described and prescribed wow. by God in his scripture. He, he, when it comes to worship and the way we approach him, the way we talk about him, the way we sing to him, the way we behave around him, we don't, we don't get to make that stuff up. That's it's right. like all there. Like right. It's not just little hints and whispers and clues. No, not at all. It's like some full-on instruction full on. in the Bible. And I think because God describes in great, great length who he is, hmm. and he prescribes how he would like to be approached, hmm. conveyed, and worshipped, we, we've got to follow that flow. We've got to start paying attention to like, what it's does true. Scripture say? Okay, we're in 2021. And those are very different times, thousands of years ago. <laughs> but how do we take those values and those and those prescriptions right. and and carry them out in our day and age? And That's you know, right. interestingly, in in Acts chapter seventeen, there's an inscription to an unknown god. You know, and Paul he obviously applies that moment in a really beautiful evangelistic way. But I thought about that. If you had an unknown god, <laughs> you wouldn't know where to start. You That's wouldn't right. know what their name was anything about that character and nature. You, how would you know how to praise them? You, didn't, right. you wouldn't know what to praise them for. You wouldn't know what they require of you. You wouldn't know how to please their heart if That's they right. have a heart. That's right. You All wouldn't know anything. Right. But we don't worship an unknown God. We worship no. a God who's revealed himself full on. And so because of that, we have to follow that. That, that was an inscription with no description <laughs> and no prescription. Wow. But we have the complete opposite. We have the scripture... And in there, God describes who he is yes. and he prescribes how he would love to be worshipped. So for me, that's a big part of what this podcast is about. Me too. That's a little intro to who we are. And we're going to dive into our, our first subject in this first episode, Encounter versus Entertainment. Come on. So you're listening to the Redman and Riddle podcast. It's, it sounds grand, but it's basically just a couple of mates chatting about <laughs> worship. Uh, we're going to have some fun along the way, but also I'm sure we're going to have some weightier, more challenging moments. And our first subject that we're going to tackle uh, throughout this episode is encounter versus entertainment. Often we're going to take a this versus that scenario on these, on these podcasts, and we felt like this is probably the one above all the other subjects which we love to dive in with, go straight to the heart of the matter, encounter versus entertainment. Hmm. Um, Toza, who probably going to pop up a few times in this podcast because he's so quotable, <laughs> he's a little fierce, though. I can't it read him the whole time. Fierce, I feel like I'm, I'm a bad person if I do. <laughs> I, have, I have to like read him every other day of the week uh, or something. <laughs> but he, he has a lot of quotes ar- around this kind of subject. And it's interesting because he's, he's talking you know, decades ago but somehow a lot of what he says is so very relevant. Yes. And he, he says one time, worship and entertainment are at opposite ends of the table. Wow. Another time he said, the church that can't worship must be entertained. <laughs> it's a pretty provocative thoughts. 
<laughs> a church that can't worship must be entertained. Like you, wow. if you if you're not worshiping pro- properly, you you end up doing other stuff. He he even it's goes true. into saying at one point that's why we were doing all these skits and dramas in our church services. Wow. I'm not, not not writing that off completely, but his totally. point was we're leaning into that so heavily, right? Because there's there's nothing of the glory of God here, right? We're just amusing ourselves trying to fill the gap. Wow. But one thing he said, which hit me. I think more than any other, and I, and I keep going back to this quote in these days. So he's in the 50s, you know, and he, but he says of that time, uh, our gains are almost all external and our losses are almost all internal. And that hit me so hard because I thought, that's it. That's exactly what I'm feeling. That's, our gains are almost all external. Yeah, we're getting so good with the production right. and the, 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 the excellent levels, right. excellence levels when it comes to lighting or projection or the music itself and there's so many areas even in the songwriting people taking the songwriting seriously the craft of learning how to shape a song how to get it ready for a congregation people taking that seriously there's so many areas where the external stuff yes there's been progress in this area but what about the internal side of things what about character what about values what about the heart of the matter right And, and i would say i don't want to put a downer on things but but I want to challenge myself. I want to see growth in those areas because, yeah. yes, I would agree. The losses uh, are almost all internal. We've we've lost some ground in this area, and I want to right. challenge myself in the power of the Holy Spirit and with brothers and sisters around me walking That's in the right. same direction to go. That's right. Yeah, let's regain some ground here. We we we've lost some. We've right. lost something. Yeah. In your book, Jeremy, the reset, which I which I've been loving, and I've read a couple of times already. Hmm. You say this great quote, you say, the sound is huge, the personalities are large, the stages are bright, the crowds are enthused, but so often all I can hear is noise. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty full on. I love yeah. you. You've, been, you've got yeah. a little bit of Tozer about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Got, I wonder if he had a beard uh, as good as yours. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I... I think for me, this has been a wrestle to find articulation and language for it. It's something I felt probably in my spirit long before I was able to articulate it. And um, but but it's that thing of something is is off. Something's not quite right. So mm. like this isn't quite it. What we're beginning to touch on. And I and again, I, I've tried to give some context for my journey because um, I, I've been a part of just about everything you can be a part of in in the world of worship and willingly and and engaged in it. And so I'm I'm on the other side. I'm like 30 years deep, literally, in, you know, in, in, into worship leading, and I've been at the forefront of some of you know. Some some of these movements that have really changed, you know, the the whole landscape of worship, and so yeah. I'm not in that young experimental stage anymore, where you're just exploring and you're like, ah, you know, how do I feel about that? I've walked through so many open doors and come through the other side a little, you know, a little wiser, and so I just felt it was like an important time to begin to bring some of the stuff that has just kind of been brewing, like in my heart, as I've been watching. But but I, what I don't ever want any of our listeners to confuse is like again, like you said, this is this is not a takedown. But this is these are necessary, needed conversations about worship because really, what's in all of our hearts, the burn that's in all of our hearts is we want to see worship advanced in the earth, yeah. And 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 that's the core. That's the core thing. That's the question that I've been asking myself. Like, what actually truly makes worship advance in the earth? What what makes worship catch? And so some of the things that I think we have to begin to address is some of the models, the ways in which we, we do this, because the models matter, and they matter 
Because as John Wimber, who was the found, you know, founder of the, the Vineyard Church, he, he, he says this. He says, more is caught than taught. Mm. And, I, and I think when it comes to worship, guys, this is something that we catch. Like when we see purity, when we see something modern, when we see what this thing in its purest, truest form, it catches, it ignites something in our hearts because we were born for this. Yeah. We were made to worship. And so, so our purity in this regard, what we model actually is so incredibly important because it, it's, it's, what's, it's, what's, it's how worship moves forward in the earth. It's what yeah. catches in little seven-year-old boys, you know, when they, when they watch, you know, a, a stage. But it is, it is that sound of purity. And it's, 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 that, it's that cry of purity. And I, because, you know, I, I've, never, I've never seen anyone come out of a course, you know, worship 101 and be like, I, I've, I've, done, I've, I've done it. I've got my badge. I know what it means to be a worshiper. It's the same thing in me. Like worship yes. was dormant in my heart until I came into a moment of his presence. And I actually witnessed the people of God ministering to the Lord. That's when, that's when worship caught in my heart. And to this day, that is how it is catching in the earth. And so we have to take a look at our models and going, are we leading with purity? Are we leading with, with what worship really is? Because if we're not, we're not partnering with the way it's meant to accelerate in the earth and the renewal in life is supposed to bring to the church. Absolutely. I love all of that. And <laughs> amen to all of that. You know, it's it's an interesting thing when we say the word encounter. We're talking about this. I love that word because it, it shows that we're connecting with the living God. Right. So it's not just we're singing about something or someone who was great. <laughs> or, or or someone who some something is distant and far away. This that's such a beautiful word because it's we're worshiping the living God. That's something right. can happen right, that's right here and now. And then when I think about the entertainment side of things, I think at times in life I like to be entertained, but I don't I don't want it in this world. That's right. This there's no need for it in this world. He's right. glorious in and of himself. <laughs> wow. There's enough glory. I don't I don't need any entertaining. I just need you to show me him. Right. I just need you to put right. Jesus and his worth and majesty and mercy and glory and grace and love before me. And then the worship, the rest is going to take care of Funny itself. Funny enough, that's all that's really needed a lot of times yeah. in order to see worship growing, you know. And, and so sometimes it's an interesting thing. How does this entertainment thing start creeping hmm. in? How does it become that worship leaders, we start fulfilling a role that is beyond wow. that of worship leading? and. Wow. and you know, I, I think about, for me, it all goes back to the throne room of God. Wow. You know, you get these beautiful glimpses into God's throne room, various places in the Bible, Ezekiel, right. Daniel, Isaiah, and then, of course, in Revelation, and it's chapters 4 and 5, which, for me, they're like the worship leader's manual. They're the place wow. you go whenever you need some inspiration about what worship is and what it should look like. For me, you know, that that's, that's, that's a beautiful place to go to. That's right. Um, but I think about that. I think about this setting, uh, this scene that we've been told about there. You know, mm. it goes through this open door and there's, there's all these different colors and there's lightning and there's thunder. And then there's this kind of crescendo of, of sound. It's like a little orchestration. You've got these four living creatures speaking in this praise. Mm. And then you've got the 24 elders and they're doing their thing. And then the two groups together. So this sound's growing and then it's... 10,000 times 10,000 angels. I mean, millions of angels in this glorious, joyful assembly just singing of the worth of God. And, you know, and the, and the picture is, is just so powerful and wow. so beautiful. And, wow. and 
I love that thought that every time that we we worship Jesus together, that's where we're going. In a very real that's sense, right. we we are. Yes, we're physically standing in this room and all that, but in a very real sense, we're joining in with that. And you can't ever imagine if you think about a throne scene. You can't imagine anyone trying to entertain someone in that no. scene. It no. would be like the most inappropriate thing ever. Literally. It would be. It would bomb, and it would be bad. <laughs> you know, and it. But it's interesting how somehow that leaks into what we do here on earth. You know, our cry is, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let that thing that's happening there, let us have something of that right here. You know, and there's another scenario where I think you can't imagine entertainment breaking in. And again, it's it's a worship scenario. It's it's communion. It's the breaking of bread and the drinking the cup. When we when we have that, I can't imagine. That's the most inappropriate place again to have anything that looks like or smells like entertainment creeping in. Right. But right. somehow it does, and and it maybe sometimes it does it in the little things to start with. So for example, I'll hear worship leaders say, "I'm just going to do go and do my set." And set, yeah, I get that. Totally. That's a word, but we definitely got that word from the entertainment world. Right. Right. Or you know, I've even pe- heard people say, hey, "Showtime." You know, especially on a on a worship tour, and I'm like, it yeah. is not. No, no, you know? no. And maybe you don't hear that church, but one you might hear is like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go and play at that church, and I'm thinking like, in a way, playing is the very least of what you're doing. Right. You know, you're performing this right amazing ministry activity. Right. You are leading people, pastoring people. Right. There's so many elements to it, and. It's almost, to me, it seems a bit weird to just sum it up with the word totally. play. It, it seems like you're downgrading what you're doing. Wow. But I guess the point is that the, this is the language yeah. of the entertainment world. It's true. And one thing I love that you and I were speaking about, you were saying another way you, you could frame encounter versus entertainment is, is performing versus priestly. Right. And for me, that's the missing word. Priestly is yeah. the missing word. You know, wow. the very least of what you're doing is playing. You're you're performing this priestly activity. That's right. No, I, I I think in this conversation, even what you're narrowing in on, Matt, is is the lack, the fundamental lack of understanding of what our job actually is as worship leaders. Yeah. And I think the danger of of the the Christian world and and where we get into a lot of trouble is when we just blindly kind of mimic what we see, for one, the world doing, and also the way that that begins to bleed into the church. And Jen, you're talking about the entertainment world, and we can talk about production, we can talk about venues and all the ways that churches have, have essentially, in many ways, just kind of mimicked what houses of entertainment have been doing for, for decades, for eons, and some of the ways that that makes sense and some of the ways where that doesn't make sense. But that's a nitty-gritty conversation. The thing that I really want to hone in on right now, though, is what we even talked about at the beginning of this conversation, that as worship leaders— we don't get to write our own job description. Like yeah. we, we live under the authority of Scripture. It is our job to search and to seek out what God requires of us because whether we're aware or not, and I know this is weighty, but that's okay. We need, to, we need to feel the weight of this. Whether aware or not, when we step into a place of spiritual authority in the church, we step into a place of responsibility before the Lord of heaven and earth, and it's his church. It's not our church. It's these assignments. And we have to, we have to, it, it, is, our, it is our duty, it's our mission, it's our, ob, not obligation, it's not the right word, 
But it is of utmost importance that we understand what he is calling us to do and how he's calling us to lead. We're, we're, not, we're not independent contractors. Yeah, you you know, we're, we're, we're really not. We're, we're, we're people under, you know, his, his authority. And, and so, um, there, you know, if you think about it, there just isn't a lot of job descriptions. Like, it's like, what is a worship leader? You, you got pastor, teacher, prophet, you know, you got all these, you know, and there's some, there's some real clear evangelists. There's, there's some clarity there, but it's like, what's a, what's a worship leader's job? And that would be interesting to just unpack because where you feel the rub in your conversation with, with those other leaders is really you, you, you have a fundamental understanding of what it means to lead worship that forms you. And it's that thing that helps you, creates discernment inside of you that goes like, ah, oh, we don't talk about it like this. We don't talk about it like that because it's this. And I think what we're trying to draw out in this season, because there's so many models, there's so many models. It's, it's like pick an Instagram, you know, you know, worship celebrity, you know, it's like there's, there's so many models. And, and for this, and I think what we need to come back to is, is what, what does Scripture say uh, about our job description. And, you know, obviously we can talk about this, we can dive in, but that whole thing of like a priest versus a performing artist. And I think it is so important for us in this moment is to understand our priesthood before the Lord, what it actually means to be a priest before God. And a priest is is in in this very interesting role because he has his, his first and foremost priority is to minister to the Lord. Yeah. And we could we could go full on into that. His second priority is to be a minister to people, and we know we hold we hold that intention. And I I think when it comes to a performing artist, their job and there's a way to to be a performing artist. And I think I think you know to do that in a really beautiful God honoring way. I, this this Absolutely. is this is not coming against performing artists. Yeah. This is just going like when we step up to lead the people of God in worship. We are not a performing artist. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we, we have nothing. It is like we're the farthest realm from entertainment. Like we, we are stepping into a, a priesthood. And man, there's just something, if you guys have never ever read through the Pentateuch or the you know, Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, particularly Exodus and Leviticus, and if you just study the role of a priest, like they had to go through this incredible, like so many uh, rituals of consecration, like by the yeah. time. And there was such a sobriety, such an understanding of, uh, uh, of their role that I think it's just so important for us to, to come back to and ground ourselves in because we've really misplaced, I, I think, priesthood when it comes to worship leading. I agree. And another word for me that that comes into the the frame and especially when you start using words like priesthood is the word presence. Wow. Because it's, we're going into the presence of God together and that's one of our greatest distinctives. Wow. And yet when you, when you go into the realm of entertainment, (laughs) it's like you, you're dropping your best card. You know, it's like playing, not playing your best card. You, Moses said, what else is going to distinguish us? It's going to right. be your presence. That's right. It's one of the key things. I don't know if our music's going to distinguish us. Maybe sometimes it will. Generally, maybe it won't. Right. Maybe, I know one thing that also will distinguish us is singing truth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sure. But another thing that distinguishes us is the presence of God. And when we get that, start <laughs> thinking in that way of like, I'm a priest here and we're going together to meet with God. Right. Then everything starts shifting. We've all been in that moment, that beautiful moment where we're caught up in the presence of the living God. We've been yeah. singing to him. Yeah. But you can't outgive the giver. That's right. And you just absolutely, the whole room's caught up with him. And I, Come up. 
I, I just think I love to see a renewal of that. Me too. More and more throughout the church. You know, what? one reason I think we got here, I think it was pursuit of re- relevance. Hmm. So so it's it's a good pursuit, right? We want church to be relevant to people, meet yes. them where they're at. We want it to be welcoming. We don't want it to feel foreign and alien where it doesn't need to. And so, you know, you take now the band on the Sunday morning on the stage and everything looks the same as a gig on the Saturday right. night somewhere in town. You know, it's... Right. You've got the band, they're facing you, you're facing them. They're elevated on a stage. Right. There's sound, there's probably lights. I mean, pretty much everything looks exactly the same, right? Right. And I think that might be how we fell down this trap door. <laughs> you know, it's like, because we were trying real hard to make it look like thing, but we forgot along yeah. the way, but actually isn't the same. It's a fundamentally very different activity. The yes. people of God in the presence of God, pouring out the praise of God, Yes, that can look like that for the reasons we said, but it's not the same thing. Right. And I think for me, that might be partly how we got to that place. Wow. Again, Toza, he said, there are those who depend upon truckloads of gadgets to get their religion going. Yeah. What will we do when we don't have the help of the trappings and the gadgets? Wow. And again, it's talking decades ago, but it's the same <laughs> for us now. And, he, and so basically we're trying to make this thing happen with yeah. all these little tools and tricks right. and toys, but right. he's like, what does it look like when you don't have that stuff? And for me, that would lead into the heart of worship story. That's right. And that song I wrote probably before some people listened to this were born. <laughs> goes back a little while now. Just a bit. And it's an interesting time because we really valued worship in our church mm-hmm. and worship through music. We really valued encountering God through through worship. But somehow we'd gone off course. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it was just a few of our kind of worldly little ways seeping in there. And it became like, oh, here's the great new song, you know, and everyone's hyping with this song and vibing with this song. And then it's not loud enough, it's too loud. Or I like that worship, you know, I don't like that one. (laughs) This one's my fave, you know, like. And we got into some really weird thinking that basically showed that we'd become consumers. Wow. Instead of someone who's coming through the door with that priestly intent of I'm going to go minister to my God today. Yeah. We came through the door thinking, I uh, wonder how good the, the worship set's right. going to be. You know right. this. And, and so my pastor called Mike, he did a very brave thing and a very full on thing <laughs> where instead of like, hey, let's look into this for a while. He just said, right, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to be severe here. So we're going to pack down the sound system. We're going to get rid of these instruments. And from next week, Everyone's going to come through that door just with their heart, their voice, and their Bible. And we'll still see if we can find our way to the place of praise. Wow. We'll, see if, we'll see if worship can still happen. And that was a weird, weird, weird time. <laughs> because I was like, am I fired? What's the deal here? Like, what am I going to do all day long? And it was a brave thing, and it was a brutal thing. And honestly, it was uncomfortable. Deeply. I, I mean, I just felt like this is going to get weird. Uh, but it was uncomfortable at first but then it became so beautiful exactly it became very profound like oh we can do this yeah we don't need the truckload of gadgets that toes is talking about or the wow all these little devices yeah sometimes that stuff can be from can be helpful can be nice addition if used in the right way but actually this still works it's just us in this room with our voices and singing out truth to God and, and it's and it's working. And it became a really beautiful time and, and of course I wrote the song which literally yeah. described 
The journey. The, the journey. It was, li- yeah. it was literal. Like when the music fades, all is stripped away. And I um, people thought it was like, oh, it's a poetry. <laughs> it's I'm like, poetry. no, I was just describing <laughs> literally what happened. Um, you know, I want to bring something of worth that will bless your heart and come back to the heart of worship. And I think the interesting for me thing for me is that that was a real time of, of repentance for me. Yeah. That was a massive heart check. Yeah. I mean, honestly, first of all, I think I was offended. Like, well, you know, I took it like, well, I can't be doing a very good job if this is the direction we're going in. And also, I felt like, what? literally, what is my purpose? like? Yeah. But at the same time, very quickly start to realize this is something the Holy Spirit is doing. He's yes. stripping all away yes. to get us to, ha- to have a, a ruthless heart check here. And I'd like to say that's the last time that needed to happen. <laughs> but I don't know for you, for me, like every little now and again, I need that. Yes. I need that harsh, severe almost yes. working of God reminding me. And yes. I feel like kind of in that moment now, honestly, I think with the pandemic, with lockdown and all the yeah. COVID restrictions, yes. and you know, you're not doing your normal thing. You're not traveling here or there. You're not getting to lead in this way and that thing. It's, it makes you revisit and it makes yeah. you rethink and it makes you review. Yes. And I've come up wanting. I've come up thinking, yeah, I've, oh. got, I've got some work to do. I've got well, some heart work to do here. I've, Lord, re- I repent of if there's ego in the, in the mix here yeah. and pride. I repent if I've become u- too used to the encouragements of people right. wow. about songs or about things or if I've carried anything <laughs> that instead of carrying it like it's just an entrustment for you, I've carried it like I own it. Wow. And it, and that stuff creeps up, and it's been a really. I feel like I'm back in that heart of worship story time. Yeah, well, funny enough, I, I, in I this think, time, I had a lot of people telling me they're singing that song again. Yeah, well, I think we're we because I think we're not just in this individual. I think we're in this as as the church. I think one of the things that I, that I've been so it's been so interesting to watch just with some of the feedback on on the book is how many people know that we're not quite on course, know that something has to shift, knowing that, that we are in need of a bit of a reformation um, when, when, it, when it comes to worship. And, you know, I was having an interesting conversation with, you know, um, a friend of mine, and he was just asking me, like, he's like, how do we even know anymore when we've worshipped? He's like, how, how do wow. we have any assurance when we've walked out of a building that we've actually given God the thing that he wants? And there's so much about that heart of worship story, Matt, that I feel is incredibly significant. And one of the things I'll, I'll just say is that the journey to truly reform or realign or reset, I think it's going to take courage, like tremendous courage and real bravery, the, the, the kind that is willing to go against the flow because we're not talking about just a small little adjustment. I think a small little adjustment, if we'd made those incrementally over the past 10, 20 years, I think, but a lot of these things have just been left unchecked yeah. and, and it's really lacked tozers that have come, that, that are meant to come in along the way and just going like, hey, straighten up, straighten up, you're, you're, you're veering off. And we all know the importance of even our own personal lives of how much better our walks with God have have grown and matured when we've had those people in our lives that have played that very key role. We may not like that role, yeah. but it's been very, very key for our maturity and our growth. And I, when I look at where the church is at and I look at so much of the restructuring that's really going to be needed for us to recover the heart of worship, it's going to take that kind of severe, severe bravery, yeah. like, like literally willing to go like, no, we're, we're off course here. Are we willing to take a hard look at the way we're doing things as worship communities and make some of these choices? Because these are very practical. You know, it's so funny. I was just talking with the worship pastor, and this was so encouraging. 
But he was just talking about how his production team had a brilliant idea and they were going to add these screens. I forget even what the technology is called, but it basically just made his face larger than life and da 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 <laughs> and, and he's like, okay, we'll go on this journey. But, but he, he, watched, he, he just watched how people were almost overwhelmed and it didn't produce a greater response in worship. Yeah. It just overwhelmed them visually. And he's just like, no, guys, we, we, we can't do that. And so they can, the whole brilliant thing, because again, that's someone that's willing to look at, it's like, is this producing worshipers? Is this growing yeah. and moving people to what this thing really is all about? Or is it just growing that entertainment side of things? And I'll just say this, and I, I you know, again, this thing, guys, is, is when we are actually around the throne room of God, when we are in that moment of being in his very presence, it will expose, it will expose all the ways and, and, and with a clarity that, that we're, we maybe are almost too concerned. We, no one wants to be harsh here. No one wants to, 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 to be super judgmental in any way, shape, or form. But there is a great need for us in this moment to take a hard look at some of these things that are out of alignment with heaven. They're out of sync with heaven. They're not releasing the kingdom of heaven on the earth. They're releasing another realm. And that's a realm that we want nothing to do with. We want no partnership with. You know, that's the realm that we're supposed to be coming out from, that we're supposed to be distinct from. And that's not less a call. And I think that that pursuit of relevance is, is, can be a massive trap. We want to be relevant in the way that Jesus was relevant. We want to be light the way that he was light. Our model is is not our neighbor down the street. Our model is Jesus Christ. You know, the burning bright, the the shining star, like our model and and the one that we have to rely on everything. And sometimes I think when we look at the journey of the church, we go, oh my gosh, we don't even know where to start. But I think the Lord is going to give grace. He's going to release grace in these conversations. Change doesn't need to happen overnight. It can happen bit by bit by bit. But I know that God is raising up reformers in this moment who are going to take a hard look at the standard of purity in their teams. They're going to take a hard look at the production values and what they're producing. And, and, and they're going to make the, the hard choices, but they're going to do it pastorally and they're going to do it rooted in love. Yeah. And I think we just in this conversation I think so much of even that book that I wrote was was to just, we have to start talking. We have to start talking about this stuff because we're all just kind of, it's like we've gone with the flow and the flow is not leading us yes. where, where we really need to go. And so it's like, hey, are you feeling this too? Are you feeling this too? And even that's how our conversation, this podcast even started with just going, oh, you're feeling this too. Oh, you're seeing this too. And how do we begin to talk about it and begin to bring ourselves back to alignment with, with the heart of worship. For sure. We want to let the throne set the tone. That's cool. I love that little That's phrase. Cool. I've used it a lot. But that it's essentially what we want to have happen here. We don't want culture around us no. to set the tone. No. We don't want social media to set the tone. That's right. We don't want our little ambitions and pride or whatever seeps in to set the tone. We want the throne to set the tone. That's right. For these for these moments that we have this privilege of getting together. I mean, we're feeling that privilege more than ever before after this last little lockdown period, right? What a glorious thing to be the people of God gathered together in a room together. And in that moment, we want the throne of God to set the tone. We want that to be where we're taking all our cues from. That's it. And I love one guy, I think it's Ron Owens, he says, you know, in, in heaven we see a throne and everything else arranges itself around that throne. Wow. And I love that. That's what we want to do. Our production, our songs... Our song lists, the way we approach 
uh, worship, the way we carry ourselves on and off stage. We want the whole thing to be like there he is in the center. There's Jesus in the center. Everything else is rearranging itself around that throne. And I think that's it. I think if we were to really do that, it's it's radical, actually. Yeah. Like it, it really is. It, it's not just like, oh, let's dim the lights a, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I mean, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with lights. I'm just saying, yeah. like, if we were to really create a culture that is like in some ways that's mimicking and modeling heaven where that that his throne and his glory sets the tone and our approach and everything else it's a bit more of a radical change yeah. than <laughs> than a small little alteration you know, i guess would be my point absolutely and, and, and we're not going to be doing anything commercial on this podcast but i do need to say <laughs> you, you do need to read jeremy's book well you don't have to but if i was you i would <laughs> It is a wonderful uh, book. It will give you a kick up the behind. If that's not a word, is it a behind a word? Uh, it's, it's appropriate. Okay. Yeah. It, it's just... But I don't know how else to say it. It will, <laughs> it will challenge you and it will push you. And you mm. may not agree with all of it, but I think you'll resonate with, with so Come much on. of it. And I, I, would, I would encourage you to do that. Come on. But back to this, you know, it's, it's been great talking about this today. And, but one thing we've thought about, on these podcasts, we don't want it all to be informational or all right. kind of this cerebral thing. We want to have a little sailor or pause moment, a time for reflection at the end. We've got our great friend Quinton, Quinton Trotter in the room, and he's just going to start playing. We're just mm-hmm. going to let this roll a little while, and we can pray together. But I would, I would ask you to to let God search your heart in this moment too. Yeah. To let, to just say, Holy Spirit, what's been said today that needs to live in me and and challenge me anything that's not of you Lord we pray it will fall to the ground and be forgotten and die but anything that's of you we just want to take hold of that right now and Holy Spirit we pray would you search our hearts even right now yes you know we've talked a lot about encounter today but wouldn't this be wonderful if it became a moment of encounter Hmm. in the Old Testament this idea of distance was a very prominent one you know in fact we all at that moment where God says, don't come any closer to Moses. He says, don't come any closer. I mean, isn't it an amazing thing that we've never heard that from God? God never said to you or me, don't come any closer. Because we're living in this amazing blessing of the new covenant and where because of everything Jesus did for us, we, we get to draw near to God. So instead of saying, don't come any closer, instead of the idea of distance being a real prominent one, now it's it is about nearness it is about closeness and in fact he says draw near to me and I'll draw near to you and the really great thing about that is that in those moments of drawing near we are going to see more of his mercy we are going to see more of his kindness and goodness and gentleness and love but you're also going to see more of his glory more of his holiness you're going to see more of his magnificence and majesty and so as we draw near together today, just open up your heart yeah. and just just take a good view. You know, take get, take a good look today. Yeah, Jesus, we give you permission, Holy Spirit. We give you permission to not just speak the words that are easy to hear. Uh, but the ones that we need to hear. Uh, We give you permission to correct and discipline as well as encourage, realizing that you are a father. The mark of sonship, the mark of daughtership is often discipline. 
as you discipline the ones that you love, which means you bring into right alignment with your heart and with your purposes. God, I just, we don't want to be a people who can only receive one aspect of who you are. Lord, we want to be a people who are able to receive. We're hungry for all that you are. God, we're hungry for all that you are. All of it, because we know all of it is good and it is for our good and it's leading us into what true goodness actually is. So, Lord, we do. We open our hearts, Lord, not just to encouragement, not just in in, in the areas of need, but, Lord, we just want you. We just want you. We want the fullness of who you are. And, Lord, come. I just pray we give you permission. This is not something you do necessarily uninvited. This is something that, that, that you do when we actually open up our hearts and we move towards you. And so, Lord, we just move towards you today. Holy Spirit, you are a far greater teacher than we will ever be. And we fling wide the doors of our hearts. Fling wide. And we say, come, show us the worship of heaven. Show us what it looks like to glorify Jesus. Show us what this thing of worship has been, Lord. We we might even lack a model here on the earth of what this truly looks like. I pray that even now, that there would be a release of holy imagination. There would be a holy picture of what worship truly is, the kind that is formed under the power of the Holy Spirit, the kind that is formed when we all of a sudden find ourselves in the throne room in the presence of majesty. Release it now, God. God may bring to mind something you know you need to repent of in this moment. I know that's happening for me. <laughs> but for anyone else listening, you may bring something to mind. You think, oh, yeah, I've lost track in this area. I've lost my way. I've lost, or, or this, you know, I've been, I've been found wanting in this area. So just, just bring that before him. Like, wow. repent today. Just say, I want to turn around. Wow. Forgive me, Lord. gift of repentance because we know repentance is what truly leads to renewal. (laughs) It's what leads to renewal. And Lord, I just feel that you are awakening true worship again on the earth. Lord, you're awakening it. You're calling it out from the hidden places. You're causing it to rise again in the corners of our heart. You're restoring wholehearted devotion in the earth. You're raising it up. You are releasing discernment in this hour in the house of God over worship leaders. And Lord, I bless all of those who have already been on this journey. I bless the work that you're doing in their hearts. God, I pray that you would encourage them right now by the power of your spirit and you would give them courage to yet again sign up to do the work that you've called us to do in this field that you've put before us, God. I, I just, man, I just bless. I just feel like There are those who have been laboring in this field and your heart has become so discouraged and the Lord wants to release encouragement over you right now. And um, 
and he's dealing with with the pain he's dealing with the hurt he's dealing with the bitterness he's dealing with the jadedness he's been he's dealing with the cynicism and he is planting yet again in you a holy burning love for the bride for the church to see her become all that she was made to become and he's clearing away the disillusionment and he's putting in you a fire again in your hearts so lord i just pray that you would release that you would encourage those you would encourage them and you would draw them up lord i thank you for every single time lord that i have lost my way and i become disillusioned and i become bitter lord you haven't left me in that place and you reminded me in your grace and in your mercy and in your great love god you've cultivated and rekindled a heart for your church and a heart for your bride. And I thank you for the way that you've done that, Lord. So breathe on your pastors. Breathe on the ones who have been laboring in the trenches to see a heart of God formed, to see pure worship formed in their, in their, in their people. God, breathe in those who have been laboring for 15, 10, 15, 20 years in their assignments. God, I just feel you lifting them up as they wait on you in this moment. Well, it's been wonderful to get to spend some time with you today. And we really want this to be a band of brothers and sisters who are just urging each other on towards walking in holiness and leading worship in a holy way. And and, um, we'd love to hear from you, um, any response you have. Essentially, we love to be a fellowship of the burning heart. You know, that's what Tozer again called it. I probably overquoted him in this first episode. Don't worry, I've got plenty more quotes from him in the future. But uh, he talks about these men and women of all generations everywhere who love the Savior until adoration becomes the music of their soul, until they don't have to be fooled with and entertained and amused. And, and that's what we're going after on this podcast. We're looking for that fellowship of the burning heart. So we love you to keep joining us. We've had a great time chatting today. Jeremy, here, here, I enjoyed here. this, man. Me too. This is, this is just like the coffee shop, apart from it's cheaper. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's been wonderful. So join us again uh, for episode two. Lots of love. God bless you wherever you are. Hey, before we go, I wanted to just let you know how you could be part of this ongoing conversation too. Jeremy and I have decided to record some question and answer special episodes where we'll take some questions and comments from worship leaders and worshippers around the world and then let you guide the conversation. So if you'd like to try and contribute, then here's how. We've got a special phone number with a voicemail set up and you can call in and leave us a message with a question. And if we resonate with that, we're going to do our best to speak into it on a future episode. So call 1-888-774-5679, which is 1-888-77-GLORY. That's 1-888-774-5679 or 1-888-77-GLORY. Leave Jeremy and myself a message and maybe your contribution will end up being part of the conversation We so look forward to hearing from you. But for now, thanks so much for listening in. And if this podcast series has been of benefit to you in any way, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please do recommend it to other worship leaders, pastors, and worship teens, and any just full-on worshipers who you think might like to take a listen. Finally, a big thanks to all who have helped us pull this together today. Thanks to Gold Pacific Studios in Orange County, California, where we recorded these. And to Quinton, our keyboard player, who's been in the room each time. 
And a big thanks to Sam Bailey for the theme music. A massive thanks to Jason Jones, Andrew Sengart, and all of the Integrity Music family who've done so much to make these podcasts happen. God bless you today, wherever you are. We'll see you next time on the Redman and Riddle podcast. Oh,